0: Good morning. It is good to see you all here today. As mentioned before, we had a blast at our Easter egg hunt. Uh, I love seeing all the little kids run in and grab the eggs, and I was running in with them, and I had a blast. I don't know if you guys had a blast at the Easter egg hunt, but I had a blast. But regardless, uh, we're thrilled to have you all here uh, today um, as we celebrate Palm Sunday and next week, next Sunday. Uh, We'll be celebrating Easter Sunday, arguably the most important Sunday throughout the whole year. Um, And we encourage you all uh, to come back with us next week as we talk about Easter Sunday. But before we get to Easter, we are going to talk about Palm Sunday this morning. Now, Palm Sunday is always the Sunday before Easter. And Palm Sunday celebrates the triumphal entry of Jesus Entering Jerusalem for his very last time. And to kind of give you guys a brief idea of what Palm Sunday is, uh, we're going to show just a short three and a half minute video clip to give you guys a better idea of what Palm Sunday is all about. So if you have the video, you can go ahead and play it.
1: Hey, Tommy and Eddie here to talk to you about something really great. Palm Sunday. Yeah, that's the Sunday that we paint our palms purple to commemorate King Saul talking to that palm reader lady, and then we wave him in the air.
2: (laughs) No, no, it's not. (laughs) Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. What Bible do you read? Palm Sunday commemorates the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Now, picture this. Jesus rode in on a donkey while the crowds put their cloaks and palm branches all over the ground, shouting, Hosanna to the son of David.
1: That's what I said
2: okay now picture this jesus's popularity was going viral i mean he just raised lazarus from the dead in the same community just
1: a few days earlier wait post-dead lazarus was maybe at the very first palm sunday yeah probably that's so cool i bet if he was there he was probably like
2: and you're a thriller thriller <laughs> jesus you raised me from the dead when you said get up get up, get up. Now, to complete all of this, Jesus needed a donkey. Now you'd think that a king or a prince would ride in on a horse, but not Jesus. He knew the message that he wanted to send. You see, a donkey represents peace. Anybody riding a donkey represented peaceful intentions.
1: Yeah, it says right here in Matthew 21, it says that Jesus sent two of his disciples to get him a donkey. Yeah. Hey, I wonder which two he sent. Hmm, maybe Thomas. I doubt it. I bet he sent Andrew. Andrew would totally do that, and probably, Tony, I bet he said Andrew and Tony. Tony is not a
2: disciple. Oh, sorry, Tony is. Still, (laughs) not a disciple. What translation of the Bible do you read? Jesus needed a donkey, so he asked two disciples to go get him a donkey. He told them they would find one in town, tied there next to a colt. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and then he says, untie them and bring them to me. And if somebody asks you about it, you tell them the Lord needs them? Mm -hmm. Jeez. Yeah, what? Well, Jesus told his disciples to go steal a donkey for him.
2: What Bible do you read? It doesn't say that at all.
1: Like I can't figure this out. I mean, Jesus, he changed water into wine. Cool. He fed the 4,000. He fed the
2: 5,000. What? He fed the 5,000. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Not the 4th. It's the 5,000. We're splitting hairs. I'm
1: sorry. <laughs> Jesus fed a large group of people. And that's cool. He, he healed people with leprosy. He raises Lazarus from the dead, and then boom, he's like, hey guys, go steal me a donkey. I'm just saying, I don't think that's very WWJD. The significance <laughs> of Jesus
2: riding in on a donkey, which he did not steal, was to fulfill the prophecy that is found in Zechariah 9.9. Yeah, but the... And the king riding in on a lowly donkey with his way paved with palm branches, the palm branches symbolize triumph or victory. The what? The palm branches. The bran... I palm thought- branches,
1: Palm the- Sunday. I thought it was, the Palm, they should call it Branch Sunday, because that's confusing. We all have palms with us all the time. I just, I feel bad. I'm sorry, Palm Sunday.
2: Palm Sunday is a time for us to prepare our hearts for the agony of his passion and the joy of his resurrection. So this week, let's cover the road to the cross with our hearts, our souls, and our minds
1: as we reflect on the final week of Jesus' life. Let's celebrate in anticipation the return of the King of Kings.
0: (laughs) Yes, thank you. That gives you a good brief idea of what Palm Sunday is all about. And yes, disclaimer it's called Palm Sunday not because of our palms, but because of palm branches. So there you go. So between uh, today, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, which we'll uh, have a service on Friday at 7 o'clock, and then Easter Sunday. Uh, we're going to go through a story that began with fanfare, it endured death, and it ends with resurrection and victory. And so without further ado, we'll we'll go ahead and talk about Palm Sunday today. So we'll go ahead and open up to the book of Matthew. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open, to, open up to the book of Matthew. It's the first book of the New Testament. And if you don't have a Bible, that's okay, the words will... Uh, be up there on the projector. Uh, The story of Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry, it's found in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Uh, but we're going to be reading it uh, from the book of Matthew this morning and Matthew chapter 21, and we'll start in verse 1. Before we get there, I want to help set the scene for you guys and give you guys some background as to what is taking place on this Palm Sunday. So Palm Sunday, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, takes place less than a week before his death. He he, he eventually dies on Friday, and here we are on Sunday. So this takes place less than a week before he is to die for the sins of the world. And Palm Sunday happened shortly after Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was a dear friend of Jesus. Jesus wept um, he was sad. He was full of sorrow when he saw his dear friend Lazarus was dead. However, uh, many of us may know that Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That's not supposed to happen. When someone is dead, they're they're dead. But Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, and that created an uprising. People started to hear about the name of Jesus as he raised someone from the dead. Needless to say, uh, Jesus also, he healed many sick people, uh, he gave sight to the to the blind, he cast out many demons, he fed 5,000, not 4,000, uh, with just uh, five fish, and, or two fish, and five loaves of bread, and he was doing all sorts of miracles, and so he was gaining popularity. He was starting to become somewhat of a celebrity of his time. Um, among the people who heard that, he raised a man from the dead, and he did all these other Miracles. And it's becoming popular opinion that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Now it's important here to note that the Jews were waiting over 2,000 years for this promised Savior of the world to come. It's, they're, they're promised all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. is the first prophecy of this, the Savior of the world coming. And so these Jews, they were longing for the Savior of the world to come to the earth for over 2,000 years. And many people came along the way claiming to be that Christ, cl- claiming to be that Savior of the world. But those false messiahs, those false Christs, those false saviors of the world uh, they eventually died, and that was the end of that. They, they weren't resurrecting anything, so the people, the Jews, found out that, hey, this guy isn't the Christ. He isn't the Savior of the world. But nevertheless, here comes Jesus after thousands of years of anticipation from the Jews and waiting for their Savior of the world to come. Here comes Jesus, and these Jews, these people, they really have a belief in their heart that, hey, this guy really could be the Christ. He really could be the savior of the world. He could be the savior of my life. And so he's gaining much popularity. And Jesus, he was about to enter the city of Jerusalem. And now Jerusalem is the central city for the Jews. It's like Washington, D.C. for us Americans. So Jesus was entering Jerusalem for his very last time before he were to die on the cross for all of our sins. And so that's where we pick up here in Matthew chapter 21, and I'll just read verses 1 through 11. And it reads, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage, the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. So what's taking place here again as Jesus is entering Jerusalem for his very last time. And Jesus rides on a donkey or a colt into the city of Jerusalem. And as he's riding down this road, there's crowds on both sides of the roads and crowds following him. And these people are shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna in the highest. That is the the brief idea, the brief picture of what's taking place here on Palm Sunday. But now let's take a moment and dissect the story a bit and look at some of the key elements to this Palm Sunday story the first element the key element that we need to take a look at is jesus is riding on a donkey now jesus instructed two of his disciples to we, we don't know which two disciples it wasn't tony tony wasn't a disciple as they discovered up there but jesus sent two of his disciples to find a donkey and a colt for him to ride into and you would not think that jesus would have triumphantly entered the big city of jerusalem on a donkey. I mean, you, you would think that Jesus would have this big procession and he'd be riding on a big majestic horse into the city of Jerusalem. But no, Jesus is riding on a little donkey. And I, I don't know if you guys seen a, have seen a donkey in person, but they're not the most majestic creatures in the world. They're, they're, they're kind of tiny compared to a horse. But nevertheless, Jesus rode a little donkey into the city of Jerusalem. I mean, that would be like President Trump or any other president that we've had. A ride into Washington, D.C. in a big parade in a little Toyota Prius. Or better yet, a, a smart car. <laughs> no, that you wouldn't picture that. When, when our presidents are entering into the big city of D.C., they're going to ride in a big fancy limousine. And they're going to have a big parade and procession with them. And he expects kind of the same thing to happen with Jesus the King. But rather, he rode on a donkey. And we ask, why in the world would Jesus choose to ride on a donkey in his triumphant entry into Jerusalem? And this was to fulfill what was written in Zechariah nine. 9. Now, Zechariah was a prophet, and uh, his writings are found in the Old Testament. Uh, Zechariah lived around 500 B.C. So this is about 500 years before Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. And Zechariah was prophesying to the people of Israel after they uh, were free from their exile in Babylon. We talked about a couple of weeks ago about three guys uh, with the names Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were exiled in Babylon, but after a while, all the Jews in Babylon were free to go back to Jerusalem, back to Israel. And so Zechariah is prophesying to these people who returned from Babylon. In Zechariah 500 years ago, 500 years before Christ triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. Well, Matthew records it in verse 5. Zechariah wrote, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of the beast of burden. 500 years before Christ entered the city of Jerusalem, Zechariah wrote exactly that their king will be coming to them on a donkey, on a colt. And 500 years after Zechariah wrote that, that is exactly what happened. It was a direct fulfillment of prophecy that, that was written 500 years before and Jesus when he when he was riding in on a donkey and a colt, he was showing to the people that yes, I am the king. I am the king you yeah, have been waiting for for I'm riding into the city just like the prophet Zechariah wrote that I would do. I'm riding into Jerusalem on a donkey or a colt. And so Jesus rode on a donkey, not some big majestic horse, and it was a fulfillment of prophecy, showing that he truly was the king. He truly was the Christ. He truly was the savior. Of the worlds. Another key element that we need to look at for this Palm Sunday story or the triumphal entry uh, story uh, is the palm branches. So we see that the crowds, as Jesus was riding down and his donkey through to the city of Jerusalem, the crowds they were throwing down their cloaks, but they're also throwing down palm branches. So we may ask, why in the world would they be laying down palm branches? Well, back in that time, palm branches used to represent victory. So when they were laying down their palm branches, they're signaling that victory is here. Victory is here. Our Lord and Savior, the King, is here. He is going to save us. Victory is here. It is near. Our victor, Jesus Christ, is here. And they had such a positive and excited atmosphere and environment amongst them as they saw that their victor, Their savior of the world was finally coming into the city of Jerusalem for his last time. So there was much excitement as the people represented that with palm branches that represented victory. They felt that victory was at hand. They were excited to have Jesus Christ there. And as they were laying down their cloaks on the road and laying down these palm branches, the people were yelling, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, Hosanna to the son of David. Now, the story of Palm Sunday is the only place in the Bible where the word Hosanna is found. And so we may have questions as to what Hosanna really means. Today, uh, many people refer to Hosanna as meaning like an exclamation of praise. And no doubt, the Jews were exclaiming praise to Jesus as their Christ, their Savior of the world, was finally here. They were so excited, they were, they were shouting praise to Jesus. But the original intent of the word Hosanna back in that time as they were shouting Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest. The original intent uh, was to mean save or save now. They're proclaiming to Jesus, they're pleading to Jesus, Jesus, save us. Jesus, save us now. Jesus, you are the son of David. You are are the most high. Just save us and save us now. They're pleading to Jesus to save them. Because they, the Jews, they lived under the, the reign of the Roman Empire. Many of us may know a lot of facts about the Roman Empire as they were one of the strongest nations throughout all of history. Now the unfortunate part of the story is that the Romans, they did not treat the Jews well at all. They harassed them and they discriminated against them and the Jews were treated awful Amongst the Romans. The Roman Empire did not like the Jews. They did not get along. They clashed very much similar to Jesus and some of the Jews. The Romans did not get along with the Jews. And they, they exerted their authority over the Jews. And the Jews were living in despair under the Roman uh, reign. And the Jews were sick of it. They were sick and tired of living under the reign of the Roman Empire. And so when they saw their king, the savior of the world coming... They wanted Jesus to save them from the Roman Empire. Jesus, save us. Save us now. Save us now from this Roman Empire. We're sick and tired of having to deal with these Romans. Sick and tired. And they, and they thought Jesus was coming to Jerusalem to save them from the hand of the Romans. That that was their belief. That was their thought, that Jesus was coming to save them from the hand of Romans of the Roman Empire. And not only did they want just anybody to save them from the Roman Empire, but they wanted the son of David to free them from the reign of the Roman Empire. They wanted the son of David to save them from from the discrimination, the the awful conditions they were living in under uh, the... The rule of the Romans. And this is important to note that Jesus was the son of David. David, if you don't know, was arguably the best king of Israel. He was really only one of three kings uh, who ruled over the unified nation of Israel at around 1000 BC. So about 1000 years before this takes place, David, David was the king. And the, peop- the Jews, they absolutely adore David. All the Jews loved David as he was an awesome king. And Jesus happened to be the great, 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 and so on, grandson of King David. He was an offspring of King David. And this is significant. We We won't flip there, but because in 2 Samuel chapter 7, God promised David that David, one day your son, your offspring, is going to establish your throne forever is going to establish your kingdom forever one day your offspring he's going to establish a kingdom that will never end it'll be an everlasting kingdom and the jews were seeking for that kingdom they're waiting for the son of david to come and bring forth david's kingdom his throne permanently and so these, these Jews, they thought that Jesus was here to put his authority to, to place himself on the throne and to deliver God's kingdom to these, to these Romans, to the, to the empire, and to all the other surrounding nations. These Jews thought that Jesus was here to save them and to save them now from the Roman Empire and to establish that throne, to be a king, to establish that kingdom forever. Established that kingdom over every other nation in the world. And the Jews thought that's what Jesus was coming to do as he entered Jerusalem. Now Jesus did come to save them. The Jews Jews thought Jesus was coming to save them. And Jesus did come to save them. He absolutely did. As we'll talk about um, this upcoming Friday and Good Friday. He absolutely saved them. He saved them from the wages of their sin. And the wages of sin is death. Jesus no doubt saved them, and he is their savior. He paid for the wages of their sin, which is death. But Jesus did not save them the way that the Jews thought he would come to save them. The Jews were expecting Jesus to take over the Romans with authority and with power and with the sword and take over and be some tough guy taking over the Roman Empire. But that's not what Jesus was all about. Rather, Jesus came to save them from their sins. He truly was their savior. But this is not at all what the Jews had in mind. This is not what the Jews wanted. The Jews wanted someone to save them from the hand of the Roman Empire and to save them now. And now this is a huge reason as to why the Jews turned on Jesus. Because as we celebrate Palm Sunday, as we celebrate the triumphal entry, the Jews were saying, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest. They were shouting praise to Jesus Christ on Sunday. But less than a week later, the Jews were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Crucify him, crucify him. One of the biggest turn of events throughout all of history. They thought their Savior was here to save them from the Romans. But he, he ended up just dying on the cross. And they were not happy with that. They were not happy with Jesus. So although on Sunday they were shouting praises to Jesus, on Friday they were yelling, crucify him, crucify him. And it's because Jesus did not do what the Jews thought he was coming to do. Jesus did not come down at that point to to establish his throne, to establish his kingdom at that point in time. And that is a huge reason as to why the Jews turned on Jesus in less than one week. Because on Sunday, they're shouting praises to Jesus. But on Friday, they're shouting, crucify him, crucify him. What a sad, sad story. But as we know, as we'll celebrate on Easter Sunday, Jesus did not stay in the grave for long. He he rose from the grave. He was victorious. And he uh, ministered to the people on the earth, preaching about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And then Jesus ascended up into heaven. And Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of God. Here's God sitting on the throne of God. And Jesus is sitting at his right. He's sitting at the right hand of God. And Jesus is awaiting the command from his God and Father our God and Father Yahweh he is awaiting the command from God to triumphantly come back to earth and when he comes back to earth he then is going to establish that throne He is going to establish that kingdom. He's going to establish that throne and kingdom which the Jews thought he was going to do 2,000 years ago. The reason why the Jews were so disappointed in Jesus and why they were yelling, crucify him, crucify him, is because he didn't come at that point in time to establish his throne and to establish his kingdom. But I'm telling you right now that Jesus right now is sitting at the right hand of God, and he is just awaiting the commands of God to tell him, Jesus, my son, it's time for you to go back to earth and to establish My throne, to establish my kingdom. Jesus is coming back one day to do what the Jews thought he would do 2,000 years ago. Jesus is coming back to establish his throne and to establish that kingdom here on earth. Ready or not, he is coming. Ready or not, he is coming and he's going to establish that throne. He's going to establish that kingdom. And so we need to get ready. We need to get ready. 2,000 years ago, the Jews, they were getting ready for Jesus to establish that throne, to establish that kingdom, but Jesus didn't do it at that time. It wasn't God's plan for Jesus to establish that throne and that kingdom at that point in time. But it was God's plan for Jesus to die for the sins of the world, be raised from the grave, and sit now at the right hand of God. And it was God's plan all along for Jesus to descend from heaven to establish his kingdom here on this earth. And that is exactly what Jesus is going to do. That is reason to be excited. Jesus is going to deliver God's kingdom here on this earth. And we need to get ready. We need to get ready now. For we don't know when Jesus is going to come back. Jesus himself doesn't even know when he's going to come back. Only God knows. So we need to get ready If you are ready, when Jesus comes back to establish his kingdom, then you're going to be able to partake in God's everlasting kingdom. And let me tell you what what this kingdom is going to look like. The kingdom is a never-ending celebration. It's where everything wrong with this world is going to be made right. And let me tell you, friends, there's a lot wrong with this world right now. We are living in a broken world. We're surrounded by people who are dying we're surrounded by people with sicknesses, we're surrounded by people with with evil desires and and evil actions, we're surrounded by natural disasters. We live in a broken world. There's a lot wrong with the world right now. And we have to endure that right now. But let me tell you, when Jesus comes back to bring that kingdom, everything wrong with this world. Is going to be made right, and if you're ready for when Jesus comes back, you're going to be able to partake in the everlasting kingdom. You're going to be able to have fellowship with Christ and God yourself if you're ready. If you're not ready, there's a scary future ahead of you, and I think we're we're all aware of that future and so I won't, I won't talk about that this, this morning as, I, as i'm I'm a positive person, I like to focus on the positive side. And I don't want to have to worry about any of you guys not being ready. Because I want every single one of you guys to be ready for when Jesus comes back. Because let me tell you, Jesus is coming back to do what the Jews thought they would do 2,000 years ago. The Jews thought He's going to deliver this kingdom when he entered Jerusalem. But he, he was saving that for a later time. God was saving for him to do that at a later time. And Jesus is coming. And so it's my plea to you all. my plea to you all this morning is get ready for jesus to come back he is coming back get ready for his triumphal entry here onto this earth if you haven't given your life over to god yet if you haven't given your life over to christ and accepted his sacrifice on the cross the sacrifice for the wages of your sin that's something that needs to happen that's something that needs to happen for you to get ready for when Jesus is coming back to establish his kingdom. And if that's something you want to consider, I would more than love, i more than love to talk to you about your steps moving forward. And to lead you into the waters of baptism. Because you, you will not regret that decision. And if you already have made that decision to give your life over to Christ, to give your life over to God, kudos to you and I'm happy for that. But you're not done. You're not done. There is still much more for you to do. Your mission is simple it's to grow closer to God and to expand His kingdom. You need to grow closer to God on a daily basis through prayer and reading your Bible and through, through other assets of worship. But also, you need to be expanding God's kingdom. Bring as many people with you into God's kingdom. That is your mission. We need to be getting ready for Jesus to come back on this earth, what the Jews thought he was going to do 2,000 years ago. We need to get ready because ready or not, Jesus is coming. And I want to be a church filled with people who are ready and excited and anxious for the arrival, for the return of Jesus Christ. We can get excited about this. Can I get an amen? Yes, this is a message that we can get excited about. The return of Jesus Christ where he will come to establish that throne, establish that kingdom. Exactly what the Jews thought he was going to do 2,000 years ago. So friends, family, brothers, and sisters, it's my plea to you. Let's get ready. Let's get ready. Because ready or not, Jesus is coming. And he is going to bring great gifts to those who are ready. Let's pray. Father God, I just uh, thank you so much for the many gifts that you bestow upon each and every one of us. Father, I thank you for this day that we celebrate today, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Father, I thank you for the hope that we have, that one day Jesus is coming back. He's coming back to this earth to establish your throne, to establish your kingdom here on this earth. And Father, we cannot thank you enough for that great gift. We cannot thank you enough for the sacrifice of your perfect son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I just pray that if there's anybody in this room, anybody in this church, anybody listening to this, watching this, and that if they have in their hearts that they want to seek you, that they want to give their life over to you, Father, I just pray that you give them the desire, the courage, the boldness to make that happen, to make that next step, to seek you to seek you in the waters of baptism. And Father, I just pray that we can be a church that is full of people ready and excited for your son to come back to this earth. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the free gift of your son, which, which leads to eternal life. It's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen.